Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. All right, guys. Hello and welcome back, as always, to the podcast, 1% Better, Episode 6, Season 2, Part 2 of the Sarah Abbott interview conversation so i'll get to that in a few minutes i do promise to keep these intros a little bit shorter not because anyone's given uh, me any grief about it but i do think i can go on a little bit too long if you don't like them just skip forward to about minute five i promise to try and keep it to that duration all right so looking back in the last week another very busy week on the podcast front recorded two new shows with two excellent interviewees both very different but both equally fascinating stories keeping it vague there but if you follow me on linkedin and uh, twitter you'll probably know who they were in the last month i'd say i've got about 20 new connections that have become guests or are going to become guests i really can't keep up i have episodes recorded for this show and for the new show uh, probably released a new one in sometime in May, late May, early June. But it's phenomenal to be able to talk to all these brilliant people. If I wasn't doing this podcast, I don't think I would be talking to half of these people. I know I wouldn't. And that's a huge benefit of doing it. And I love the fact that it's happening and continues to grow. And speaking of which, in the last week, I don't normally check it, but in the last couple of weeks, I knew there'd be an increase in numbers. And on the iTunes charts, uh, the podcast was up to number eight on the education charts. And that's really cool to see that just means other people are listening and when it's high up in the charts somebody else might say oh what's that and check into it and listen and maybe subscribe and share it out and tell somebody else and that whole snowball effect is happening so thanks to you for listening in there if you do go through itunes maybe someday get to number one who knows but it's all good that's looking back looking forward next week's episode is with ted dynan so i recorded this one a few months back two months back and ted is a psychotherapist but also a professor in ucc and this one is a topic that i've been fascinated about for a long time intuition and your gut and this whole idea of your gut having actually a number of brain cells the same more than a dog has in his own brain i men- mentioned that a few times last season ted has a, a book out on that and we talk about ted's journey and his own career lots of really interesting stuff there so i'm delighted to share that one next week in the next few days i'm going to put out the blog i mentioned last week 100 days free of booze some things i've learned been just finalizing that just time is uh, of the essence and nearly there though and just one other thing i put out that one minute monday video earlier this week on monday surprise surprise it's on the website and it's on the socials it's really just one minute long and i typically share or plan to share one thing i've learned in the last week be it from a previous episode or something that's just impactful for me right then that i'm using that's making me feel or act or be better in some way shape or form and i want to share it with you guys see if you get something out of it as well so it's on the website or on the socials i'll put it out on a monday on to sarah's part two so just on tuesday i went to the disrupt hr event in st peter's in cork that sarah susan manning ran as part of the people practice group that they have established all that presented on that on the night were really really interesting the five minute pitches different slant and all one or two things you could take away from it so really enjoyed that delighted to make some new connections one of them was bb baskin who you might have heard of from rt in the the days gone by Hopefully getting bb on the show in the near future somebody that has 
been in India for a number of years and is big into wellness and meditation. So looking forward to hearing all about that from BB in the near future. This episode, part two with Sarah, we focus on strategy, management, discussion around leadership, born versus bred, millennials, emerging leaders and the traits that they have or haven't. And then we touch on all those usual questions that I steal from other podcasts or come up with myself around sleep and meditation. That's really all that's in part two. Really hope you enjoy it. Please do follow me on the socials. Share this out. Hope you enjoy it. Have a great weekend and I look forward to having you back next week. Thanks and enjoy. Touching around leaders, I think at the start you mentioned born versus bred leader. I mean, I know you've done research into leadership in general. Like, what's your view on on that? Is there anything? It's probably a very difficult one to answer, but perspective on on that. I think there are people who are born to enjoy leading, versus born to being great leaders. Okay. So there are people who are, I think, born to naturally kind of move towards you know leading people, right? Coming up with a vision for something and helping. And influencing others to march forward. Even as kids, we do that, right? I see it. My son at the moment, he came home from school and said, we've started a rock band. <laughs> now, this is in the middle of rural Ireland where yeah. a rock band is the weirdest thing. And I'm like, go for it. And he said, and I'm the manager. And I was okay. like, that's quite interesting. <laughs> How did you decide you were the manager as Commission. opposed to anything else? Yeah. Um, so I think there's people, but that doesn't mean they're great leaders. And I think that's often a confusion. I think anybody can become a great leader. Um but it goes back to that self-awareness. You know, do you know where your strength is? Mm. And then are you clever enough and comfortable enough to surround yourself with other great people um, who will even drive your thinking even further? Mm. Um, there's a couple of qualities in there to be able to do that. But I think if you can do that, I, like I remember that I was hiring at one stage and um, for a team. And <laughs> I remember um, this VP who I supported um, he was in the business of in HR and uh, he said to me I see what you're doing here Sarah you're hiring people smarter than yourself mm-hmm. and I remember going you think they're smarter than me <laughs> <laughs> oh dear and and I was doing that right, right, right. but it, but it was kind of right between the eyes right mm. um, and I was thinking this is the right thing to do but that's kind of a hard pill to swallow too yeah. um, so so um, so I do think yeah I, I think you're you can be born to enjoy it more um, but I don't think you, I think everybody, there's no good or bad, right? And I think there's no black or white. Somebody said to me one day, there was an issue happened and somebody lost their temper. And I remember their boss coming to see me and saying, um, look, I just want you to know that that's kind of out of character and he's actually a good guy. Mm. And my view of that was, there's no such thing as good or bad guys. Yeah. Right? There's only people and context and obviously something set off you know there was a sequence of events that got him to the point that he got to but that didn't make him a bad person yeah. or a good person actually mm. um so it plays both ways just because some somebody does something um that's wrong or seen as odd that doesn't mean they're a bad leader yeah it might mean the organization needs to think about how that person got to there mm. um, but that doesn't make them a bad leader um, and i think this you know some people are more eloquent speakers that doesn't make them great leaders though yeah. um uh, some people are have more energy for creative ideas that doesn't make them great leaders so i think nobody's whole there is yeah. no perfect leader there's sometimes timing like if you take the likes of martin luther king or people like that there was timing that came yeah. into those that he was right for that moment um um 
and and there you know if you take Nelson Mandela right he was you know selfless enough to to do what he did right so there's elements there um, but I'm sure he had elements that would go on his performance improvement plan if you yeah, were his yeah, boss yeah. right sure. um, and I kind of go back to what you said a minute ago about failing fast you know it's really intriguing so Robert Keegan talks about this so Robert Keegan has studied adult development for a long time and he you know he talks about children actually quite a bit but if you think about it, when a child learns how to walk, mm-hmm. how many times do they have to fail before they learn how to walk? So imagine if we took that child and let's say they could talk and they had adult cognitive ability. Yeah. And we said to the child, by Friday, we're setting a goal that you'll be able to walk. Mm-hmm. If you walk by Wednesday, we'll bonus you extra. Right. You By the end of Monday, though, you need to have at least crawled. Right. Um, and we give them training to do that. And then they, they get to the end of Monday and we sit them down and say, actually, you did a good job today, right? So tomorrow we're going to stretch the goal. Or we say, actually, you didn't do a great job. Um, if you can't crawl by the end of tomorrow, we won't be able to give you food the following day. <laughs> right. That's actually how our system of development works yeah, yeah, yeah. in the corporate world. So if you take a child and, and, and if humans have the ability to go from not being able to walk to walk, then they can probably develop as leaders, right? Mm-hmm. If we, if they have that much ability to do something as, as wonderful as walking, right? Sure. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I think that you can develop leaders. Yeah. No, I don't think you'll develop the perfect leader because yeah, there's yeah. no such thing. Of course. What would be the one characteristic that every leader should have if there was just one that would pervasively hit them all? It would be self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you know yourself well, you can figure out most things. Mm. And, and it's not the know yourself well in that I remembered all the good bits. This is what I'm good, right? You know, there's, and I agree with some of the, yeah. the thinking out there around strengths-based development. I, you know, I, I get some of that. But at the same time, you have to, you have to also know the pieces, the traps you fall into, just you as a person. Yeah. Um, and you don't know that if you haven't taken some risks and tested yourself, right? So it's it's through failing as, as you talked about earlier yeah. that you figure some of those things out the ugly side but but you have to accept both um if you don't then you're it's probably half a story yeah. and and you, you can't be a great leader with that self-awareness is the biggest thing cool it's a good takeaway what would be one behavior or trait maybe that you think typically derails leaders or, or uh, is there their kryptonite maybe um, there's a few actually. I used to um, I used to teach a program actually on a set of competencies by a company called Lominger, mm. and they used to talk about um, derailers, where okay. they had this study of if you if you are exhibiting these things, they will either stall your career or stop it entirely. Right. Um, and I thought they were quite interesting. But and, and some of those that come to mind, right? But one of them in particular is is um, I guess arrogance or ego. When you're a very senior leader, you know I'm I'm, I'm actually working with someone at the moment who's just um, raised a lot of uh, venture capital. Right. You know, this is in the billion territory, right? Whoa. So he is king of the hoop. There's an ego going on there. Hopefully. Because, yeah. you know, not many people have been able to, to to convince that many people that this is the next big thing. Right. So that actually is, is dissipating into his leadership style with people, which okay. is, you know what? You just need to do what I said because guess what? All these people know I'm right. Yeah. And I think that's what trips people up most. Right. Um, and I probably say that because that's probably been 
one of my Achilles heels at times. So that's probably the one that comes dear to me because it's the one that's tripped me up. Okay. When I thought I knew more than someone or some group and I, instead of letting them do the thinking. Mm. Um, so I learned that very early on. You know what? The, the par- and, and, and I suppose from a Myers-Briggs perspective, I'm a high preference E. So the best thinking I'll have is when I talk to others. Doesn't right. have to be people who even know the subject. Mm. Um, so I think I've re- realized that power of people is is way better than the power of one. But I think yeah, that arrogance. The minute you think, you know, pride does come before a fall. Right. Always. Good one. I know there was another area maybe you wanted to just touch on in your new people practice that you've recently set up. We can talk a little bit about it at the end. There's an area of business strategy that you have a lot of experience in as well. How has that how's business strategy changed over the last while? And in this new maybe, I think it's called VUCA world, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is that uh, something that's needing constant tweaking and changing? Or maybe just talk a little bit about the work you're doing in that space. Yes, so I think um, in that volatile, uncertain, ambiguous world, right? Mm -hmm. And that they talk about from a VUCA perspective. I think, um, you know, people talk a lot about the speed, um, the unknown element. um, And I think actually sitting down and thinking about the future has maybe got a little bit lost because of being in the moment. Um, Let's just worry about this quarter. I, I really believe that that thought process and reflection around what do, will things look like in five years time mm. and what are those possible scenarios and building resilience to deal with the unknown right. is key okay. um, and resilience is that great word right in terms of being able to bounce back or maneuver yourself in an unknown context yeah. okay and i suppose because we're based here in ireland so we have a lot of um, regional sites of multinational corporations so um you know, those corporations, those regional sites aren't always in control of their future yeah. in terms of what that will look like. But actually, how do you prepare for that? And how do you, instead of waiting for headquarters to inform you of the strategy, how do you actually own that and influence it and think mm. about it and mm. think about where this is going? You know, um, instead of instead of thinking about, um, you know, oh, what's going to happen to us next, what about thinking about where your market is going? And what that might mean for your company. So putting on the actual CEO's hat right. and, and building your strategy that way, right? Mm. Um, because then you're more in control and you have more resilience about that. And I, and I see some great examples of that. I mean, EMC is a great example where, you know, if you go back six, seven years ago, when they um, worked with a local university to develop the Masters in Cloud Computing. Yeah. Nobody was talking about cloud computing. Sure. This was a perfect example of a company thinking about, you know what, this is where this sector is going and we can't see that the talent is going to exist, mm-hmm. right? And most CEOs would talk about talent being one of the big challenges, right? Mm-hmm. But actually, you need to take control of not just your internal labor market, but your external labor market. Yeah. Don't assume that somebody else is going to offer up whatever skills you need, right? Mm. You don't have to do all the work, but you do have to think about what those skills are going to be because actually a lot of the levers that we want to pull in business take probably 18 months to realize anything. So if you're not thinking that far out, you do Mm. need to think near, but you also need to think far in terms of what that looks like and then build some resilience in there Mm. about how to deal with the, the unknown scenario. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting angle because, yeah, like everything you hear at the moment is being in the moment and 
focus on the now and there's a lot of value in it but which is very important absolutely but you do need in certainly in business from my experience of what i know and what, I, what certainly from your experience it seems like uh looking that bit ahead and planning where the puck is going to be i think a few leaders we know probably have used that 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 one and you know it certainly has brought benefit and fruition to companies in this region yeah and i think there was a stat i read and now i don't know the source of the stats so i'll i'll be open to um correction on this i'll check it for the show notes and put Excellent. it up like okay. um the stat was that's this was about 2013 i think the stat came out um 75 percent of apple's revenue was coming from products that hadn't existed five years previously so basically what that would suggest is that whatever company you're in right now Mm. only 25 percent of your revenue in five years time will come from what you're doing right now yeah yeah yeah. so that's the 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 lifespan really of whatever that and 75 will be be from that unknown future that hasn't even been thought up yet yes wow so so there's a case for thinking about the future and it is unknown but the trick is not to try and second guess the future the trick is actually to think about the unknown and what will we do with the unknown and how are we prepared for that and who do we have that we can row in to help us with that when the time comes mm. the time will come but the question is how do you prepare well for it mm. in how you prepare and how you you build the strategy but then implementing the strategy is there areas that you are working on around that yes and um, one in particular comes to mind we're doing a talent strategy with a group and 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 the first part of that talent strategy is um is on their leaders so this is interesting because tying together there well for, yeah. the, the question actually came through kind of securities route because the work we were asked to do was we need our our managers to think more like leaders rather than just being managers right but when we got into it, the question was, why? Mm. Why do you need to do that? I get why it's good theory, but why do you need to do it right now as a company? Mm. And they said, well, because they don't do that now. And what, what problem is that causing? And actually, we were able to come back to, we have a business issue. Yes, here, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have a business issue. And then when we sat with the leadership team and saying, so tell us this business issue, but is this not going to go away if we did nothing? And I'm a great proponent on asking that question so mm. i probably lose money as a business because of that but the question is if we did nothing then what would actually happen yeah, and yeah. maybe the world wouldn't end and sometimes that's the right thing to do yeah, just yeah, let yeah. it flow yeah. let it be imperfect and it might not be the biggest thing but here's where you think right is what will this look if we did nothing and you're five years out mm. are you in big trouble or did it just go away and, and that's where we came up with this piece around. So their leaders need to be leaders for a different reason because here's what's going to happen, that business, etc. Um, so we're doing a piece of work there. And we're really, um, actually, it's kind of a bit broader than that because we're looking at the talent strategy. Mm. You know, what are your pools of talent that are going to be really important for the future? Which ones do you have zero skill in right now? Mm. And actually, can you take some of your internal pool that might actually be of lesser need in the future and start to educate them now and skill them to be in a very different part of the business, doing yeah. a very different set of skills. Um, and the second piece to that is that that group are asking themselves some really intriguing questions about, you know, how long is it okay to be average mm. in this business? And how yeah. long will it be okay to be average? And how do we... Um, how do we pro-rata our, our investment for talent, you know? Mm. You know, are the high, what is the highest talent? What do we mean by highest talent, right? Sure. Um, and do we give them more of something that somebody else doesn't get? And why would you do that, right? There's a bit of chicken and egg. Mm. 
and just even spinning off that one talking about talent the world of millennials and leadership have you done anything around millennial leaders or what what do they look like are they different to gen x leaders maybe or whatever those or are. gen much before that <laughs> <laughs> in my case um actually i was part of a study that looked at what millennials wanted from an employer right and it was a very big study very large global study in a company and we were all probably a bit uh, disappointed might not be the right word but it certainly was a bit of an anticlimax okay. because what they wanted was very similar to everybody else you know the hygiene factors like decent car parking space a way to get to work those sorts of things yeah. the, the areas that probably came up more was a little bit more around CSR so um, doing mm. corporate social responsibility but also being in control right so no longer a case of the company decides and I fit in it's much more I decide Right. Uh, they wanted autonomy around where they work how they work interesting projects um, so I definitely think there's um, there's a piece there around that and I think they will move more right um, mm. actually the Centre for the Edge did a lovely article called The, the, Passionate, Explo- the Passionate Explorer okay. okay and it talks about some of these things where people are really now have a passion for discipline rather than a particular company or a particular job Right. Okay, which so my passion is is people, right? And and I'm not so caught up in which company it is, mm-hmm. um, as long as it meets my aligns with my values. Uh, but they will do more of that exploring. And if you think there was a study recently done in the US which said if you take people who are fifty five to sixty five years of age, right. right, their average um, churn in terms of job is one in every twelve years, right? Mm. But somebody who's a millennial will have had 12 jobs in that time. Yeah. Right. So you're talking about a different workforce. So this notion of retain people as long as we can. Um, mm. Actually, you need to turn your head in that and realize these people are going to move. Yeah. Um, regardless of what you do. So get ready for that cycle and be ready for the next intake. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. maybe spend more of your time thinking about how we intake people really well and how we, mm. how we actually transfer skill sets really, really well, rather than trying to hold on to them as much. Yeah, that's interesting. Because obviously if they're going every two years, that's it is a cycle there's other people coming in yeah. so it's it's a conveyor belt type thing and, and there's pluses to that because you get fresh thinking mm. um you know i remember somebody once quoting someone saying if you're with a company longer than five years you're a limpet you're bleeding from the company rather than bringing something back i don't agree with that right because as long as you stay fresh i think you can stay with a company much longer in fact mm. all your life if you if you're somebody who continually evolves mm. um but there is a there is something great about um that freshness, right? And mm. that diversity of thought. Is there more um, entrepreneurial spirit in millennials, do you think, than maybe in previous generations? Or is there anything jumping out of studies around that? I think there is a piece. But I think what we need to do more of is bring the generations together. Um, so have mentoring and a reverse mentoring between, you know, maybe some of our yeah. older generations. Because I think actually the marriage of the two is where it gets really really clever okay yeah the mentor mentor relationship is something i think i've heard and seen talks on mm. that definitely work sarah that's great i'm just going to touch on a few rapid fire ones at the end to get a little bit more into you and uh i know you talked about your um called it a morning routine but how, how important getting up maybe earlier having that said talk to me maybe about your approach for that has it has it changed over time or has it always been very religious and important to you um 
So I, I think it's very personal, right? You know, you hear these people say, get up at 4 a.m., etc. And that's great if that works for them. Mm. So I am a morning person. So unfortunately, you will hear me singing at 6 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> which to my husband is not a morning person. Right. Um, his, but, but I do, right? I like to get a good run of the day. Mm. I'm better in the morning. Um, so because I, I get turned with all the ideas in my head because I take ideas from everything. So by yeah. the end of the day, I'm worn out with yeah, all of yeah. those. So... So that's why I would never do important work late at night. I like can do podcast. the crunch stuff. Yes. Like, yeah, that's yeah. why we're here in the morning. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I'm better from that perspective. Um, I do. I'm very goal oriented. So in the morning when I get up first, I'll be thinking through what are the kind of three big things I need to do today. Right. And are they in there? Great. Um, and. And that would be my first thing. Now, interestingly, depending on the day right so if i'm going out and i'm going to be meeting people i just get on with it rob right mm. i normally like to try and read um something in the morning right okay. um, and not twitter or something but i'll normally read part of a book um something that gives me something to kind of noodle on for the day mm. so like nancy klein or yeah, robert yeah. keegan or those i'll just t- and, and it'll be stuff i've read before okay but it's just uh, it just kind of grounds me a little bit mm. um if i have to do Really thoughtful work, right? Where I'm trying to figure out what is the real question here. I find I have to have real clarity of mind, right? So I have to be very, very present to do that work. Yeah. And I just find I can I can do the work without doing that. It's just much harder. Whereas if actually I have real presence and I'm really in that moment and in that topic, um, I it will be very obvious to me what we need to do. My eureka moment will happen. So I actually am very... On those mornings, very thoughtful about not letting anything else into my head. Yeah. Okay. So I won't read my texts. I won't read my emails. Um, everybody will know that in advance that those time this morning I'm not on. Right. Um, I won't listen to the radio because if I if I do those, they 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 take energy in my like, mind. Yeah. Right. And I read this um, study where um, there's a hierarchy in your brain. Okay. And the oxygen will flow to where it's most needed. Um, but it's actually only in the morning after you've been rested that the third part of your brain gets enough oxygen to do its thinking. And that's okay. the part actually that, that is uh, really important for key decisions. They, they, they actually say when you're well rested um, during the night, that's that's the time after that um, to make your, your key decisions. And equally, though, the minute you get up and start allowing the world to get back into your head, that oxygen is taken away from that part of the brain. So I, right. I almost try to protect that, right? Okay. And I will be very thoughtful about that time and how I use that time. Mm. So so I can be seen at 7 a.m. in the morning walking around the fields by my house um, while cars are passing in my own world, thinking and thinking and thinking. Um, and I'll have planned, you know, I do these kind of 20-minute bursts. So I'll go, so I'm going to do this. And I might think for an hour, I'm just going to walk around with whatever, you know, company I'm, I'm working with at the time, whatever they're, they've presented to me and what does that mean and what could it mean? And I'll walk around for an hour and, and be very present with that. Um, and I might stop in the middle. Um, I, I do meditate, so, so yeah. I might do that then if I need to. Um, and I'll just let that, you know, let that time just exist. And it, it's, you know, if anybody's familiar with mindfulness, it is that kind of non-striving, non-judgmental. If nothing comes of that hour, that's okay. I'll okay. still have done the thinking. Yeah. And then I'll have a burst of 20 minutes where I might have something to read related to this topic, which may spark another thought. And then I might mm. do another piece. And I'll do that till about one o'clock without any interruptions. No caffeine. Right. It's really important. So, Because I, I know the things that, 
the that tripped me up right was, I was on my mind there to see yeah. was that going to have an impact but you said none so that's okay now on a normal morning yeah, yeah. I'll have my coffee and I'll have my egg um, but um, but on those mornings I won't do that right. uh, because caffeine just makes me go faster and this is you know slower uh, like, yeah. I would say it's time to think yeah. um, and thinking fast thinking slow that book right um, mm-hmm. so so that's what I will do during those times but my morning routine is and I find if I if I get up any time after half seven I've blown it okay um, my humour is much worse Right, yeah. because I think I'm behind the, the curveball. I hear you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not really good with that, even at the weekends. Right. Yeah. Um, and my son is the same, which is quite interesting. So ever mm-hmm. since my son has been a baby, he does not get called for school or anything. He gets up at six, mm. um, and sings. Is there an alarm that gets you up in the morning? No. You naturally. I'll naturally wake at six. And the interesting thing is, if I say, "Oh, this morning, you know, I I, I think it's too cozy in here, etc." Right. Um, I actually find it easy to get up at six. I find it hard to get up anytime after half six. I'm then really groggy. Okay. Um, so there's a, and, and the same for going to bed actually happens to me. So I'm kind of normally at 10 o'clock, a 10 p.m. person. And I find sometimes if I think, oh, this is, you know, I'm doing something really interesting or whatever. Um, if I get to half 11, I can't actually go to sleep till one. Mm. Um, I kind of miss I, I just have a window <laughs> for some reason right and it really annoys I know, me I um, but it's a window and, and if I miss the window then I've kind of the whole thing goes off kilter now I can do it right I travelled yeah. you know I travelled non-stop around the world for years and I got four hours sleep yeah, I can yeah, do yeah. that but the quality of what I do and how I am goes mm. down if I do it for anything more than a week yeah maybe that's old age I'm not sure no 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 like it's very interesting I think something similar that if I can get up be- before 6.30 I'm generally fine and then if I can get to bed between 10 and, and 10 30 uh, there's a period where I'm kind of but then I if, if I don't fall asleep after that it is kind of weirdly awake and thoughts are flying around and it's harder to calm it down so that's it's good to know I'm not the only person <laughs> like that, potentially like that you mentioned decisions so I find as well ruminating over a decision it becomes bigger and bigger and it's very hard and there's a quote I heard recently and it's like the you know freedom through making decisions or freedom through commitment I think one of the guests said before as well do you have an approach to decision making is there like okay I'm spending way too much time on this I'm just going with it I'd love to know something about that yeah there is a piece of that um because I can be like that so I'm so I'm a bit of a perfectionist by nature so often I'll want I'll wait until something is perfect and I think I've realized over time that never normally happens mm-hmm. or if it does i it's it's taken too long right yeah. um so i think i've had to i i have like by nature i'm really drawn to perfection that's actually really hard when i really have to pull myself back mm-hmm. um and go what are you waiting for um because it's never going to be perfect so stop waiting for it to be perfect um so one of the things i do i, I think i said earlier on mars breaks actually i really like that tool because it it's helped me understand myself a lot right i am a high preferency um so that external element actually works really, really well for me. So unfortunately, if you came to my sitting room, you'll see there's a patio door and there's always a flip chart stuck on that door mm-hmm. because there's something going on and I'll put it up there and I'll I'll just draw. It might be symbols, it might be words, it might be anything, but I'll just keep adding to it for you know a period of time, particularly if it's a big decision. And I'll just keep putting stuff up there and keep looking at it, right? Graphically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, eventually, I'll look at it and I'll go, oh my God, I, I just never realize that's the connection that's what i need to go do right um if that doesn't work for me i'll talk to a few people and i'll say and and i 
I do. I ring people up right out of the blue, and right. and some of them actually have been on your podcast, <laughs> um, who've been great to me, right? And, yeah. and I remember talking to two of them in particular. Um, there was Collins and John Wall saying, "So, um, you know, can I ask a question?" And they were like, "Come talk to us for a day," um, and they gave me a whole day, right, cool. for nothing, you know. And yeah. and you just kind of go, "Wow, that's yeah. fantastic." And yeah. and one of my questions to myself is, "How do I pay that back?" Um, but, you know, talking to people for me just helps clarify my thinking. And sometimes it's because it's what they say. And I think, no, that's definitely not the right answer. Yeah. That even helps clarify, right? Yeah. So that's my way of making decisions. Okay. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's just fascinating, the whole area. And to just touch on the kind of, I kind of link all these a little bit together, but intuition then as well. Does does that, how do you play with that or serve things? I was saying to you before, I think recently I, I like definitely use a lot of it but i was making a decision about a, a holiday i went on and i just couldn't decide something and then i just meditated for 20 minutes and it just served it up and that was what i wanted to do i forgot completely that it was there and i took it so how does uh that come into your whole hugely realm yeah um and sometimes i have to kind of ch- so i'm a high preference in which is high intuition as well um so sometimes i have to go am i telling myself a story there now and i'll often be right um I think there's something there. There's, you know, I'll pick up on something and think that's the story. And my husband will say, well, that mightn't be true at all. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'll go, no, I, there's definitely something. Mm. So it might not be true, but I'm going to hold on to that. Right. Um, so intuition. And, and I think it's because, you know, we have those, those layers of consciousness and some of those layers that influence us every day. We don't, we're not aware of them at all right even Mm -hmm. if you're hypnotized you don't get to those bottom layers but they all influence you so i do think yeah my my levels of consciousness tell me something and i'll trust it i will trust it and go with it have you always trusted it or have you you become more aware of it i think i've always trusted it probably more so now i'm probably a bit more um checked in terms of hang on now a second that might not be right Mm. It probably is right, but just maybe hold it as a hypothesis a little bit longer. So I probably do more of that now, but I would definitely acknowledge it and do something with it. And I and I would look to disprove it rather than prove it, because I think it's probably right. So I'd be looking for the disprovers. Okay, cool. I'll ask three more. I, I'd like getting everybody's opinion on these ones. Uh, advice, is there a piece of advice that sticks out that uh, you've been given over the years from a leader, from from a mentor mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that comes to mind? I think the best piece of advice I ever got was don't compromise yourself. Mm. So don't sell your soul. You know, make sure your conscience is clear. And I think that's been the best, particularly in HR, right, where you're working with people, etc. Um, I think that's been the best piece of advice. And, you know, the, the top value in our new business is integrity. That's really, really important to me. Mm. I don't care how bad something is. Um, but be honest about it, okay. you know. Um, so don't compromise yourself was an important piece and the second piece I think was um, from a business leader in in Apple who would say um, if you're going to set standards you follow them first Mm. Um, so be that role model and I really I actually really saw that work there anything they said it was true Um, you know um, if we talked about excellence um, then nobody would walk past a piece of paper in the hallway because that was seen as then the value doesn't live. Hmm. Um, and I, I thought that was a great piece of advice. Nice. Yeah, it's cool. I normally ask a book recommendation, but we got a couple already. Mm-hmm. So maybe slant on that, a movie or a documentary that stands out, maybe that comes to mind that uh, you've got something from. And it can be anything. Oh, a movie or documentary. That's a really interesting one, Rob. 
Um, and I watch lots of movies. So I don't know that this movie has been the most informative to me, but it's definitely captured my attention, mm. which is the movie Inception. Yeah. Because it just reminds me of our own levels of consciousness. Mm. Because that movie has several layers of the now all happening at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's very true. And it reminds me of, you know, what Robert Keegan says, which is actually we have multiple value sets at any one time. Yeah. Um, and that's hard for people to get their head around because mm. it's hard enough to have one value set, right? Yeah. Um, but there is no black and white. There is only gray, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what that movie, that's a great example of, of us as people. So if you take that movie and actually put it within the container of a human, um, that's us. And that's what's going on for us every day. And we don't realize it. Yeah, no, it's it's one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, the four layers, I think. And each layer, you might have like a dream of five minutes. The next layer, it's five years. Yes. It's just blows blows your mind completely. It's, it's really cool. No, it's a good one. Uh, and last one, Sarah, maybe just you touched on it earlier about success and happiness and the link or not not linked. How would you define success or what, what is success for, for you maybe? So the words I would use to describe success are a bit can be can be seen as a bit trite. But to me success is inner peace. Mm-hmm. So it's feeling happy where I am now for all its goodness and not so goodness, right? Um that's success to me. And um I mean right now, this minute. Okay. Okay. So so success to me is, you know, was was this good? Was this a good moment? You know, recently I there was a lot of illness in my family when one of my family was quite sick. And and that was a really horrible time. But at the same time, it was a great time because I was able to flex to have more time to think about that person, right? Okay. Um, and so even though that was not a nice time, yeah. it was still success right. in many ways. Mm. I couldn't control the illness, right? But I could yeah. certainly control my ability to be available or... Or to think about that person, etc., um, and that to me is success. Um, you know, I, I, I like the greatest success, greatest example of success I have is my father. So my father lived on thirty acres. So he lived in London for years, and then he came back. And he lived when he came back, he farmed on thirty acres, and he never really left that thirty acres because mm. he was happy. Mm. He loved his life there. He's eighty-two now. He still cool. farms, right? He Lovely. still gets up and deals with cattle every day, and he still is happy. And, you know, I remember when I was getting married, it was kind of his first big journey to the city, to the nearest city, which is Cork, where right. we are here. Um, and he came to get his outfit. And as soon as his outfit was organized, he said to me, can we go home now? Hmm. Um, and that's success for me. When you have somebody who, you know, he has what he needs. Hmm. There's probably lots of things he wants, yeah. but he has what he needs. And he's good with that. Cool. That's a nice angle. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's such a unique answer, you know, for everybody. Yeah, so. it, it's very different for people. Yeah, no, it's lovely. Sarah, that's been wonderful. Just to wrap up, Sarah, the new venture, maybe talk a little bit about that and how people can get in touch with you. It'd be great to uh, hear a few ways that that can happen. Yes, so the people practice is what we're called. And we're called that for a reason because yeah. the work we do is all about people. Um, but equally, we're a practice. And, and to me... A practice is something that is really um, evolving over time. So we learn from every consultation and every project we're involved from. Yeah. And then we bring that back into, we, we reflect on that and say, what does that mean to us? Yeah. Um, so every week, for instance, so um, 
my partner is Susan Manning, who I think you know as well, who's Thank also you. a HR professional. Yeah. Um, every week we will share what did we learn this week. And that's really important. And we write it down because mm. we think over time we'll look back at it and go, oh, yeah, that was we we should have held on to that nugget. Yeah. So that's really important to us. Um, we kind of focus on um, three areas. One is coaching, because we I do see that as um, a very impactful way of helping people think about where they are right now either in a corporate situation or a life situation i i think coaching is the act it applies to everyone it doesn't matter whether you're at work or not in work or yeah. whether it's a work situation or not um the second area is what we call that business strategy piece we call it readiness for the future mm-hmm. how do you how are you ready mm-hmm. um you know and and how do you build a culture of readiness which is that resilience for whatever come what may right good and bad times yeah um and then the third area we focus on is leadership development. But I kind of sigh when I say that because it's not really your traditional leadership development. It's much more about how do you think about yourself as a person first? Mm. Who are you really? Mm. Um, and, and how do you know that? Right. And then what does that mean for how you lead? Cool. Um, and what does it need to mean? You know, not everybody needs to be an inspiring leader. Not every culture needs leaders to operate in a particular way. Um, so what's really important, because you, you can't focus on the 50 odd competencies of leadership, right? So yeah. what's really important? Um, so those are our three areas. Um, we work with all sorts of organizations. So we have really small companies that have just started up. We have some, you know, multinational pharma companies. We cool. have clients in Silicon Valley at the moment, wow. which is which is great. Um, and you can find us at thepeoplepracticegroup.com. Um, that's our home. Uh, and we're pretty accessible from there on Twitter and all those other good things, right? And LinkedIn, um, I'm sure you're... you're you LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn is, yeah, is, is one of the key ones, right? But um, but yes, so, so that's where we are. And um, we don't take all sorts of work. We take work that we think we can make. Our values are really important to us. And if you look mm. at our website, you'll see them on the front page for a reason. Brilliant. Um, but integrity in terms of what we can do and what we can't do. And if we can't do it or if it's not for us... Um, will tell you that so so for us it's much more i think we're we're more driven by the intrigue of, mm. of a project okay. rather than the money cool. that might not be a good business strategy <laughs> but that's where we're at well it's 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 living your value right so it's been integrity right there so so no that's really uh it's really cool i i know um i know you'll be successful as as you define success there it can it can mean lots of things but uh best of luck with that it's been thank you thoroughly enjoyable to get a little bit deeper in lots of areas and sarah thanks so much for for taking the time to do that and i'm looking forward to launching this uh to the to the world and get lots of feedback because obviously that's very important as well yes and and as you know about me um rob i love a good debate yeah so if anything this podcast sparks somebody's debate or or, or intrigue yeah i'm um, happy to engage in that yeah and any time and any angle that they that you've come out with here if people have some ideas or different approaches that that's what it's all about you know maybe yes. we could have our first ever kind of podcast Virtual. debate yeah. perhaps you know yes or even a conversation goes. right if you create a dialogue by something you know i i just think that's really cool because everybody learns from that yeah um and and the nature of just talking yeah. um is so wonderful right absolutely 
Brilliant. Sarah, thanks so much. Thank you, Rob. How was that? Did you enjoy it? I hope so. If you did, please like, share and do all that other good stuff that only takes a second on social media but means an awful lot to me as it spreads the reach. You can get the details from the show in the show notes on the website robofthegreen.ie. In there you can share the show out with others i really just want to touch on three other quick things one feedback i learned so much from it without it i can't improve please give me a bit of feedback positive negative constructive would you recommend a book do you have any other ideas for guests how about more video let me know what you want and i can make it happen i will try that's number one number two sharing is caring this year i'm making more of an effort to try and expand the reach Facebook, there's a page and there's a group. The 1% Better Community on Facebook is where I really hope new listeners go to share ideas, comments, in general things that they could help others with. That's what it's there for. Follow me on Spreaker.com. That's the new host. I'm on Twitter, growing not exponentially at all, but slowly. So please follow there. I'm on Instagram. All of these are at Rob of the Green. LinkedIn, Rob O'Donoghue. Get in touch. Would love to hear from you. Number three is about support. So I'm offering a few hours a month pro bono free coaching to those that can't afford it that need some coaching that want some coaching if you go to the website the support page click on the pro bono link on the flip side of that where you guys can support me go to patreon.com the rob of the green page you can make a donation there you can get access to exclusive content which i'm adding all the time that would be awesome anything you contribute will go back into the show to make it better make it more than one percent better also there's the option to buy one of those books that were recommended through the website which will bring you to Amazon, which will get you the normal links, which will get you the books at the normal price. But supposedly, Amazon will give the show a small donation every time a book is purchased or anything for that matter, which is great. So finally, I just wanted to say thanks so much for listening. I know it's difficult to make improvements, to push things forward, to get outside your comfort zone. I'm trying to do it all the time. I hope that every listen and every show and every guest that is on gives you something to take away that you could apply, adopt and adapt into your own life to create a new habit, to make something better. Don't overreach. Small improvements. 1% is enough. And thank yourself for making the time to listen to the show. It shows you're interested in learning, improving and getting better, even if it's just 1% at a time. Have a great day and good luck.